and we are live. Good evening, everyone from the UK. It's 6 p.m. here in London. Uh, wow, the UK. Uh, welcome to my show. Today is the 29th of July, 2021. And as always, people, strong Bitcoin hand. Uh, the ethos of this channel is to educate people on buying Bitcoin, getting it off an exchange onto a hardware device, and then doing nothing. And I find it fascinating that people struggle to do nothing. Do nothing. Just get on with your life and don't wish your life away because Bitcoin will do what it's going to do when it's going to do it. And you or I are not going to influence that in any way, shape or form, people. Do you like the new T-shirt? Give me some feedback in the chat. Why is this important? I made this myself, people. I actually designed it and made it myself. I cut out all the individual letters and then ironed them on and I'm dead chuffed with it. And I hope you all like it because I am a Bitcoin boomer and I am flipping proud of it. So <clears throat> very quickly, uh, some sh a shout out to some people in the chat. Who have we got? OK, um, Bitcoin to the moon down in Australia, probably sleeping now, but thank you for being here. Uh, we've got Ian Stewart's houses in the house. Welcome to you. Yorkie Bitcoin is with us. My lovely wife, Elaine, Mrs. UK. My daughter, Buffy W, is with us. Who else have we got? Alexis Menard coming in from Montreal. Alexis, welcome to you. Lance Hoddle, good to see you in the house. Uh, Bitcoin book author, Matthew Underhill is with us. Matthew, welcome. Silent Lamb, good to see you in the house. Michael Lillianfell, great to have you with us as well. Um, I think that might be it for now. Welcome, everyone, to my show. As always, for the noobs, don't take anything I say as financial advice. Just me sounding off. There's the disclaimer there. You've got to do your own research. Check out my work at UKBitcoinMaster.com. Every video I've ever done is there. And Bitcoin interviews, every interview I've ever done is there. Check them out, people. I've interviewed some great people within the Bitcoin space. And I think if you take the time, you'll find there's some great people out there talking about Bitcoin that know what they're talking about, unlike me, who just wants to rant on twice a week uh, on his live show. Elia Epping, welcome to you. I believe you're in South Africa. Correct me if I'm wrong, but great to have you in the house uh, as well, people. Um, let me get rid of that. And finally, for those that want to drop a few Satoshis. Now, I always say I don't do this show for financial gain, and I don't. But I want you to start thinking about moving Satoshis around on the Lightning Network because the Lightning Network is what is going to carry Bitcoin forward and help us have a unit of account or payments. It's not going to be done on the base layer of Bitcoin going forward. It is going to be done on Lightning. So somebody sent me seven Satoshis the other day. I mean, it was had zero value, but they sent seven Satoshis. So, you know, just know that you could send, you know, I don't know, 2,000 Satoshis and it costs you a dollar. So 100 Satoshis, you know, crikey. Pennies, absolute pennies. So get used to moving um, it, um, um, Satoshis around. I've downloaded the wallet of Satoshi 
awesome. I've got the Moon Wallet, which is a um, a, a decentralized wallet or a non-custodial wallet, I should say, which I really love. So you can literally go to uh, tipping.me at UK Bitcoin Master. A QR code will come up. You can scan that from your Lightning Wallet. Send a few sats, not for me, just to get used to moving Lightning around. Barefoot Barry coming in from New Zealand. Barry, welcome. Barry, look. Do you like the T-shirt, man? I'm a Bitcoin boomer and proud of it. Made it myself, buddy. Really excited by that. Anyway, that's my little excitement, my little rant over. What I want to do, let's move over to the desktop. Let's firstly have a look at what's going on with the Bitcoin price. And as you can see, we're flirting with the 40K. I keep watching it. We're above it slightly. Then we go under it slightly. And I was watching... The contrarian dude, the the, uh, the Australian guy who lives in America, and he was saying that there's a possibility that, you know, we might flirt with this for a couple of weeks. So it, it doesn't bother me because I've learned sort of what's going on and not to look at short term prices. But here's what I do want you to focus on. Coming back to these Satoshis again, the lightning uh, side of Bitcoin. Let's have a look over here for a moment and you will see that currently, if you can see this, look, currently for $1, you can get 2,520 Satoshis. Now, if you do $10, you're going to get 25,000 Satoshis. If you do $100, 250,000. And if you do $1,000, you're going to get two and a half million Satoshis. Now, why is this important? Because Going forward, there will be no such thing as people buying Bitcoin. They'll be buying a thousand Satoshis, 200 Satoshis, dependent on the Bitcoin price. So start talking to people about they really ought to be buying some Satoshis. And when somebody says, what the hell are Satoshis? Say they are fractions of a Bitcoin, just like a cent is a fraction of a, a dollar or a, a penny is the, the fraction of a pound. Satoshis are a fraction of one Bitcoin. And you want them to go, really? So, yeah, you don't need to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin so that you own a small part of the most pristine asset on Mother Earth. So um, before we leave this particular one, what I also love is I'm on a five year chart here. And when we look down here at the 2017 bull run, it was a bump in the road. Now, at the time, it was a big deal. Then we look at this run up to 64, back down to 29, hovering around 40 again. When you zoom out another three, four, five years, this will be another bump in the road, people. So we've got 20K. We've got 64K, so a 3X. So that might carry on at 30%. And in three or four years, you might see a Bitcoin, its real term price around 180,000. It might go to three or 400,000 and then pull back in the correction and the correct price be about 180,000. So it is about zooming out. I keep saying it, but I want you to listen to me. Now, why am I saying I want you to listen to me? Because here's my challenge. I come on this show twice a week and I rant on about Bitcoin. But, you know, I know a lot. I know more than most, but I don't know a lot. So what I'm trying to do now is run short video clips to sort of um, reinforce what I'm saying by what I refer to as experts, people that know their stuff. They know their metal. 
yeah strong hand pound that like button really important so what i was doing i was looking for some videos i could run and talk about and i thought <clears throat> what better way to run this show than to talk about probably i know i mentioned matthew underhill's book on all my shows but there is a book out there that is out there in the stratosphere and that is the bitcoin standard and if you haven't read that book i implore you read the bitcoin standard now i would personally say read matthew underhill's book and the bitcoin book which is on amazon as a precursor then go through the bitcoin standard but we're talking about the bitcoin standard today because um you know dr safadina moose i had to look up his full title because i don't move in these types of circles and he is an assistant professor of economics in the adnan kasar school of business at at the Lebanese American University. That's a flipping mouthful, wasn't it? Basically, he's an economist, okay? And he wrote this book, and I'd not long been in Bitcoin, and then I started to understand from reading his book, but a lot of it, you know, still goes over my head. I've understood now a little bit about the history of money, fiat currencies, and how they all die eventually around the 50-year mark, and the dollar's 50 years old next month in August. So, you know, everything's going crazy out there in America, and that affects the rest of the world. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe the dollar isn't going to die after 50 years. Maybe they're going to kick the can down the road, as they say, and keep it going for a bit longer. Maybe bring out the digital dollar, etc. But I was looking through videos and I came across one of Seyfedina Moose's in, uh, um, lectures he did back in 2019. So remember, that's now two years ago when he starts to talk about what he's going to talk about. So what I want to do without further ado is run the first five minute video for you. And what I'll do is I'll pause it where I think I need to interject and say something um, just so that it's not you listening to some dude on my show. So let's run that first video. Let's get the right one up there. Okay, right. I'm going to run it and let's see what he's got to say. But listen carefully to when he talks about the difficulty adjustment. Really important because even I learned something by watching this video. At the end of the show, um, I will put the link to the full lecture if you want to watch it. And I would encourage every one of you to watch it because it's really good. SciFlyer67, good morning, wherever you are. I guess it's on the west coast of the States. Um, we've also got Vinnie Rondo. Great to have you in the house. My favorite boomer, he said. I am a Bitcoin boomer, people. I'm going to say this again at the, at the, at the fear of you all disappearing off my show. I made this t-shirt myself and dead proud of it too. There you go. I'm a Bitcoin boomer. Okay, let's run this first video from Safer Dina Moose. So for me, the most important uh, characteristic about Bitcoin is the fact that it is hard money. And I use this term repeatedly in the book. In fact, it's not just hard money. In my opinion, Bitcoin is the hardest money ever invented. And that's why it's kind of a big deal, because it's not just, um, it's not just a form of money. The fact that it is the hardest money mean, carries significant implications for everybody because money is a competitive market at all times and all monies are always competing with each other and if history is any guide the harder money always wins so this is why it's worth paying attention to Bitcoin because it is harder money than everything else that we have so 
That in itself, <clears throat> he's not talking about Ethereum or Doge or Monero or Cardano or EOS or IOTA. He is talking of Bitcoin being the hardest money the world has ever seen. And in the second video, he'll explain a little bit about when the crossover between Bitcoin and gold takes place. Let's carry on listening. Specifically, what is it about Bitcoin that makes it such hard money? Um, the, the key difference between Bitcoin and all the other forms of money that we have rests on one technology that Satoshi Nakamoto added to, uh, to Bitcoin, which is what made it work. So if you study the history of how Bitcoin came about, if you study the history of the technologies that are utilized in it, things like the proof of work, hashing, cryptography, and all that stuff, it has been around for many years and many decades. And there were many attempts to try and make digital cash and to create a form of digital cash. Bitcoin was the only one that worked and the first one to work because it introduced one important thing and that is the difficulty adjustment. Now listen up because it's only recently and I'm just putting it out there um, that I've started to learn a little bit more about the importance of, <coughs> excuse me, of this difficulty adjustment. Let's have a listen. This for me is the most important thing about Bitcoin. It's the reason it's it's the it's the glue that holds all of the um, parts of the system together. Without it, it would not function. And because of it, not only does it make Bitcoin functional, but it also makes Bitcoin arguably the most advanced form of money that we've ever invented. And the reason for that is it makes Bitcoin fundamentally different from everything else. With any other form of money, if everybody decides tomorrow in France that they want to use copper as money, hypothetically speaking, um, everybody sells all of the forms of money that they have and instead everybody buys copper. What's going to happen to the price of copper? What do you think? It goes up, right? But of course, it's very easy for copper miners to make more copper. So what do they do? They produce more copper and that floods the market with copper. And as long as you are storing copper in your backyard just to use it as money, they can keep providing more and more copper and eventually that will bring the price of copper down again. So anything that wants to become money faces that problem, what I call the easy money trap in the book. If it's easy for others to make it, they will make it if you use it as money. And then if the value goes up because you're using it as a store of value, there will be a supply response, which increases the supply and brings the price down and makes it not useful as a form of money. So if you're brand new to all of this, the more there is out there, the less valuable it all becomes. So if you've got 100 units that are worth 10 million, okay, and then you introduce another 50 million, uh, 50 units. You've got 150 units now divided into that 10 million. So each unit goes down in price the more that's produced. I'm trying to help those noobs on the show to get their head around what makes Bitcoin unique, what makes it so special, and the fact that no more can be produced. And then what he talks about is, you know, the effect in a minute of more money being produced and then the effect of, you know, less Bitcoin being produced and a comparison is pretty darn interesting, I think. Historically, the most successful form of money all around the world was gold, precisely because it was the most resistant to this cycle. Because gold is so rare in Earth and because it's very expensive to find and dig up, it's very hard for gold miners to flood the market with new supply like with copper. And I show statistics on this. Um, the supply of gold every year increases by about 1.5%. That's it. It's very hard to increase it beyond that because it's very hard to find more gold. And also because since gold's supply is, uh, since gold doesn't rust or corrode, it just keeps adding up. So the supply over time continues to add up. 
so we never lose any of the gold and so new production is always a tiny fraction compared to the existing stockpile of thousands of years that's not true in the case of copper or in any other metal because in the, the, the copper that we produced 100 years ago is all gone so new production is only added onto existing stockpiles that are relatively small compared to new production so it's very easy for everything else to be flooded if people use it as money but in the long run the only thing that wins the competition between monies is gold because it's hard for people to make more of it and so it always grows at around one to two percent per year that's important when he comes on to the next part afterwards one one and a half percent um being added a year on average uh, on the second video so with the difficulty adjustment what happens is that bitcoin's growth rate is completely independent of people's demand for it if more people use bitcoin unlike copper and gold and everything else and the government money it is impossible for anybody to make more of it right if more people want money in a modern economy the central bank will react by printing more money or lowering interest rates or whatever but effectively it's very possible it, it's it's highly likely that the central bank will respond to increased demand for money by increasing the supply they will you will see the same happen with copper with everything else but because of difficulty adjustment Bitcoin doesn't have this instead in, instead of the supply reacting to the increased demand in terms of the mining producing more Bitcoin what happens in the case of Bitcoin is that the mining becomes more difficult that's what the difficulty adjustment does every two weeks the mining difficulty is revised and so the quantity that is produced of the coins remains fixed and what changes is the difficulty or the cost of mining it which is a really important point given what's just happened in China if you don't understand this um, you know, the, the, the doomers were out saying that Bitcoin was dying again because, you know, 50% of its hash rate um, stopped pretty well as China kicked the miners out. Um, but it's recovered again. So, of course, when, that, when the, the, the hash rate drops, the miners that are left in the system, it adjusts to compensate for less miners so all of those miners mining the bitcoin they get more money they get more bitcoin if that makes sense and then as more miners come on it adjusts the other way so that it's always on average around every 10 minutes a new block is mined and every two weeks they have this approximately they have this adjustment depending on what's going on with the miners and the hash rate which i didn't understand uh, beforehand <clears throat> but now i'm starting to understand a little bit more of this i i find it so exciting to learn about you know it's not just oh bitcoin's great let's buy some you know and he talks in the second video um about this this um this cycle downwards with fiat currencies and this perpetual cycle upwards with bitcoin and what makes it so special and so unique quick shout out to proud zionist you who's in the house welcome adam great to see you uh, frosty ashingdon welcome to you as well people if you're enjoying this put something in the comments if you hate it put something in the comments i don't mind i'm just trying to uh, use some tools to help people that find my channel to not listen to me blurting on saying well where's the evidence or where's that you know what how what can you back that up with i'm using these videos to underpin what i'm saying that i've learned this stuff and that's what makes me so passionate about bitcoin because i get it and if you took the time 
step by step, day by day, 10 minutes, hour by hour to very, very gradually start to understand this, you'll get as excited as I am about where the future lies. It's the most exciting thing. Let's see what he's got to say now about these cycles. If I can get this one uh, working, hang on. Clip number two. Let me get over to the right screen. Here we go. So the schedule for producing Bitcoin is currently growing uh, at around 4% per year. It used to be very fast initially. The growth rate was very fast. Over time, the growth rate has dropped and it's continuing to drop. Now it's at around 4%. That's because each every four years, the amount of Bitcoin mined is cut in half. So 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes is now going to become 3.175, I believe, um, in 2024. So the supply is diminishing uh, over time. In, a, in about four years, it'll drop below the, um, or about six years, it'll drop below the value of uh, gold's growth. Right. This is the point I wanted to make. He said six years, but we, of course, this is two years old. So four years from now, you're going to get that crossover period where all of a sudden he was talking about mining, uh, um, gold mining, producing one and a half percent more gold each year. And after 2024, 2025, um, when Bitcoin's next halving takes place, we will be producing less Bitcoin on a percentage level than gold does, which is a big deal. Around 1.5%. So in five, six years, it'll be growing at a lower supply uh, growth rate than gold. And so effectively, we're going to have a harder money than gold, a money that is harder to produce as gold. So what are, what are the implications of this? The implications of this is that with any other money, as I said, if people use it as money, demand increases, price rises, supply responds with an increased risk supply, and that brings the price down. But in the case of Bitcoin, if demand increases because people are using Bitcoin as money, the price of Bitcoin increases, and then miners start mining more, but they can't make more Bitcoin than is already scheduled. Instead, they need to spend more money on processing power in order to make the network secure, in order to mine. And so the hash rate or the, uh, of the network rises, the amount of computing power and electricity used by the network rises, which effectively makes the network safer. Now, this is the tricky part. Because increased demand makes the difficulty rise, it makes the network safer. But with everything else, as we saw, it increases the supply, bringing the price down. But in the case of Bitcoin, as the network becomes safer, what happens uh, to the demand for it and to the value of it? It increases. So whereas with every other money, we have a negative feedback loop, that, that, that the easy money trap, that more demand for the money causes the supply to respond and bring the price down. In the case of Bitcoin, more demand for the money causes the security of the money to increase, which generates more demand, which causes more price rises, which causes more difficulty, higher security, and in turn, more demand, and so on. So effectively, in Bitcoin, we have a cycle that is self-reinforcing. Once the, once the Bitcoin design was put out in the open, this has just been continuing to grow over the last nine years. The uh, demand grows, you know, it was only two people using it. Now it's tens of millions of people. The number of people using it grows, the price grows, the hash rate grows, it gets more secure. The value of transactions that are transacted continues to rise. The cost of attacking the network continues to rise. And as a result, it becomes more secure. This is the black hole that is Bitcoin, that is eating up the entire world as we go. And 
eating up the entire world. Yeah, we've heard so many people, excuse me, say that, that Bitcoin is going to eat the financial world. It's not going to eat it next week when everyone wants to. It is a slow day by day transition as more and more people catch the vision of Bitcoin and decide that they don't want to leave their money in currencies that are debasing. They don't want to leave their money in precious metals that don't seem to go anywhere, but just store their wealth. The idea of Bitcoin, from what Safedin is saying, is the cycle means that it's more secure, more people like it because it's more secure and therefore they want it. There isn't enough um, supply uh, to, to fuel the demand. Therefore, the price goes up this cycle. And, you know, this is just a common sense aspect of what I try to deliver on my show and why Bitcoin is just the most fascinating thing to be involved in, even though I don't know how to get it out of here from here out of my mouth. And I need people like Saifedean and Moose and experts to come on and do that for me. It's what makes me so passionate about being involved in Bitcoin and the future. Forget the short term volatility, people. The future um, for generations to come um, is just going to be absolutely mind blowing if you get a position in Bitcoin and you hold that and you never let that go, no matter how small that position. Let's finish this bit off. This is essentially the dynamic that is causing Bitcoin to continue to grow unstoppably because there's no negative feedback. There's no central bank to flood the supply and um, reduce the rise in the price. The supply is completely fixed. And so the price is just continuously rising as a result of it, making it even more attractive. In the long run, I think if we, uh, in my book, I talk a lot about these examples. If you look at what happens in history when a hard money is present in the same place and uh, with an easy money, it's very uh, predictable. The wealth of the people that is in easy money is going to effectively disappear. It's very hard for people to maintain wealth if they're storing it in easy money because others will just produce more of it. Whereas the people storing their wealth in hard money will end up gaining more and more wealth over time. So there's an example from um, um, West Africa, which is that they used to use uh, glass beads as money because they weren't commonly produced in Africa. So they were very rare and it was very hard to produce them. And so they served as a good unit of uh, money. But when Europeans came to West Africa, they saw that this was the money that Africans used to use. So they would get um, glass beads from Europe and go to Africa and use it to buy things in Africa. And eventually that is how Europeans managed to, to expropriate a lot of the wealth of Africans because they were able to print their money, which was very easy for Europeans to make, whereas it was very hard for Africans to make the money that Europeans had. And we see several examples of this repeating over time. And this is, I think, why Bitcoin is relevant, because it's you know, it was not an option for people in West Africa to say, we do not care about gold as money and we are happy to keep using our glass beads as money. It's not possible to isolate yourself from other people using a money harder than yours because all that will happen is that you're just allowing them to expropriate your wealth easily simply by having the harder money that maintains its value. So this is really why I think Bitcoin is, um, is very important and worth paying attention to. So here's my advice. At the end of the show, I'm going to add the link to that full lecture. And if you're new to this or you can't quite get your head around it, what makes it unique, what makes it special, I would encourage you to take the time and to listen to that whole lecture. Now, it doesn't matter if you don't get a lot of it. As long as 10 or 15 percent of it soaks in, you're going to be 
further best placed to have that belief, that core belief in Bitcoin, that in turn, we're talking about perpetual cycle again, that in turn helps you to build a strong hand, that in turn helps you um, to not get phased by the volatility, that in turn makes you want to learn a bit more, get in the rabbit hole a bit more. And if you are a Bitcoiner, that will suck you into that black hole and you won't be able to leave it alone. That's certainly my experience. So um, that I, I found that powerful when I watched the whole lecture. And I encourage each and every one of you to also pick up that link. I'll, as soon as the show's finished, I'll go straight in and I'll add the link. Um, or if you want to check it out tomorrow, whatever you want to do, I would take the time to go and um, listen to that because I thought it was an incredible lecture. So let's have a quick look at some tweets before we pull the show together. Now, um, because I'm in the UK and I'm not from politics or anything like that, you know, I didn't know who this guy Steve Hankey is, but apparently he is a professor of applied economics at the John Hopkins University in Baltimore. Shout out for Baltimore, Adam Meister country. Um, also a senior fellow and director of the Cato Institute in Washington, as well as a co-director of the John Hopkins University. So a pretty um, out there figure, but he's a bit of a, well, I don't know. I, I, I better not be rude. Um, uh, whoa, Velodia Kuzmin, welcome to the show. Pound the like button. Welcome to the Boomer Show. Um, but he tweeted this, look. Wildly volatile, he's referring to Bitcoin, highly speculative and fundamentally worthless. Bitcoin will never be considered a currency. Are the BTC evangelists and enthusiasts blindly digging their own graves? What doesn't he know about a base layer and then second layer like lightning? Lightning is where transactions will ultimately take place and the base layer, which is Bitcoin itself will underpin all of that. And so many and people like him, they're just wildly spouting their mouth off, but they don't know what they're talking about. And if you want to be a long term Bitcoin holder with that strong Bitcoin hand, it's really important that you don't listen to garbage like this. So I just wanted to say that. Bitcoin Archive, nearly a half a million followers. Someone just moved 1.2 billion of Bitcoin, dollars of Bitcoin, into cold storage. Another 30,000 BTC off the market. What is that going to do, people? That is creating a supply squeeze over time where more and more Bitcoin come off of exchanges and go into cold storage or Trezor wallet or whatever you use. And this is happening more and more as more and more people and institutions understand this um, cold storage mentality instead of leaving it on exchanges. So a big deal. And that is why I keep saying on my shows, number one, buy some. Number two, get it off an exchange. And number three, do nothing but keep it secure and well hidden or whatever and your seed words and then just enjoy life. And where you can keep adding to it like a savings plan, because this could 100x or more over the next few decades for you people that are younger than me, my daughter, Buffy W, my granddaughter, Caitlin, if she's watching with her mum, you are the people that are going to realise 
the couple of decades of the one or 200x and some that Bitcoin could grow over time, even if people like me, we're looking at the grass from the other side. Sorry, that's my little joke there. Uh, Matt O'Dell, as financial censorship continues to spread throughout the legacy system, the need for Bitcoin will become very obvious. People, if you don't understand this, and I'm directing this now at my family and all of you really, but, you know, I want my family to listen and wake up. When these central bank digital currencies come out, as they're going to do, they're going to tell you that we are going to take care of you all and we're going to exchange each of your pounds or dollars for a central bank digital dollar or digital pound. And you'll think, well, that's okay. But by doing that, it then means that they completely control your ID. They know what you're spending it on, where you're spending it, how often you're spending it, what you shouldn't be spending it on. Uh, They will even put pressure on you that if you're not spending enough, that if you don't spend it, it will be taken away from you. I'm just literally generalizing. But this is what a central bank digital currency will do. And more and more, they are taking away um, financial sovereignty from individuals. No longer. Will you be able to say, I've got $200 or I've got £200. I'll just spend that on what I want. They'll force you to spend it. And that's not a world that I want to live in. And it's not a world that I want my children, grandchildren, great grandchildren to live in either. And people, all of you, you either wake up to this or you get sucked in. And I want to give you an analogy. I am not I am not um, uh, religious, really. I am Christian, Church of England, but I don't you know, practice religion heavily. Um, But here's a thought. Think of Noah, all those people that laughed at him and jeered him when he said you need to get on this ark because the floods are coming. The modern day floods are what we're seeing here with, you know, the European Central Bank and America and everywhere else. They're all going to create their own central bank digital currency, which will not give you any freedom. It will control you people. I'm on a right rant here. So pound that like button for the Bitcoin boomer ranting. You got to get this. Get into Bitcoin. You control your keys. They don't know what you're doing with your Bitcoin, where you're spending your Bitcoin. Just accumulate as much as you can, as fast as you can. Don't worry about the short term volatility because this is your savings plan for the future. Graham Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, DCA Bitcoin Savings Plan. Get in there, Graham. Love it. I'm on a right rocker tonight, people. Michael Saylor, the Bitcoin evangelist. Diversification. That's what they say. Oh, you've got to diversify, i.e. a little bit in this, a little bit in that, some in precious metals, some in equities. Diversification is selling the winner's to buy the losers. If you look at some of Michael Saylor's work, he clearly explains that when you look across bonds, equities, absolutely everything, Bitcoin on average is growing 200% a year and most of them are stood still or losing money. So where do you want to put your money for the future? If you don't understand that $100 in your bank today in a couple of years time will have the purchasing power of maybe 10 or $20, you need to start understanding and not burying your head in the sand. How does that play out? All the prices go up, food, fuel, clothing, but your wages don't go up. They stay the same. And therefore, all of a sudden, your dollar or your pound gets you way less 
than it used to get you. And I'm urging you people, please get this. What's Yorkie Bitcoin are saying? You'll spend it where they tell you to. Absolutely. And only where they allow you to. People, you have been warned. Yorkie Bitcoin has said that. So, you know, I'm just trying to get you to wake up, people. This is real and it's happening right before our very eyes. Another one from Bitcoin Archive. An insider at Bitcoin confirmed it does not care about Amazon this year. That's tongue in cheek. An Amazon insider was talking about maybe introducing Bitcoin, taking Bitcoin as payments on Amazon. I love this. There is no Bitcoin insider. Bitcoin is a protocol. It is like a juggernaut that moves along and creates new Bitcoin every 10 minutes, new blocks every 10 minutes, and nothing or no one is stopping it. Everyone used to say that China is controlling Bitcoin. Well, China have just kicked all the miners out, so they've pooped in their own nest, as far as I'm concerned, and the hash rate dropped. It's now recovering. So the narrative that you don't want to buy Bitcoin because China controls it all, that is dead and buried, people absolutely gone. There is no one in Bitcoin that is a spokesman, that is a head of marketing, a head of finance, a chief executive officer. It is just a load of us regular people and the institutions that are starting to come in and no one controls it. And that is what I love about Bitcoin more than anything. And you'll notice that I'm on fire tonight. Okay, I want to just finish up with a quote, and I love this one uh, from Aristotle. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. How do I import that thought into Bitcoin? What we repeatedly do. Get into the habit of buying Bitcoin every payday. Don't use the excuse that you're tight on money. I was always taught that when you earn money, you should always, whatever you earn, you should always take 10% of it before you pay any bills. Take 10% of it out and invest it somewhere. Do something with it. Don't just let your life be work, pay bills, sleep. Work, pay bills, sleep. Do something for your future, people. Remember the last quote on the last show was, do something that your future self will thank you for. And that is buying Bitcoin, dollar cost averaging. Yes, you might get altcoin season where some of the altcoins are performing on a percentage level way bigger than Bitcoin. But remember the story of the tortoise and the hare, will you? The hair goes off like a bat in a china, bull in the china shop, belting down the road, and the tortoise just keeps walking. The hair runs out of steam and the tortoise walks on by. Bitcoin is the tortoise, people. You need to get that. So, I am a Bitcoin boomer. I'm going to say this once more. Are you impressed that I did this myself? Every one of those had to be cut out individually, lined up and ironed on. I'm dead impressed. It means I can produce some T-shirts that I want and not what are out there in the mainstream. And you're going to see some others coming on stream down the road. But they make my eyes go funny trying to get the backing off before I iron them. So you're not going to get too many too soon. But this is the first one. And I'm dead chuffed with it. People, please tweet this out. Please like it. Please share it. Um... Send it. Send the link to five of your friends and say, geez, you've got to watch this guy. He's a bit of a nutter, but watch him because we need to get more ordinary, regular people that governments are going to manipulate and make them die broke 
to find the Bitcoin train because the Bitcoin train is moving, people. I can tell you. The shirt is great, will you? No, I won't, Yorkie. They're a flipping nightmare to do. I'm going to go blind doing these T-shirts. These are for me. <laughs> um, people, I'm going to be back on Monday with my regular Bitcoin show. Whatever you're doing over the weekend, have a great one. Do take some time. Don't walk by and go, oh, that was great. Warm, fuzzy feeling. Get on with life. Take some time. Put a message in the comments if you enjoyed the show. I really appreciate that. Go back to the show notes and find the link to Saferdine's lecture. It is so worth it. I can't tell you. Hang on, Matthew Underhill. Love the energy and the new format, Brian. Ah, thank you, uh, Matthew. I'm trying. I'm I'm not perfect. I'm just a regular Brit who's trying to bring my viewers um, some value. It'd be great instead of 18 viewers, we had 180. That would be good. But it is what it is. We can't change it. I will keep doing what I, I'm a bit like Bitcoin, really. I keep doing what I'm doing, regardless of who says or does what. So I'm like the Bitcoin train, only I'm the Bitcoin boomer train. I'm out of here, people. Do share this out on Twitter. I appreciate you all. I'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Cheerio for now.